This podcast proudly sponsored by Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games. In the Milwaukee area, come see us in our historic Bayview location. Find us online at milwaukeemcg.com or look for Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games on Facebook. Not in the Milwaukee area, there are still plenty of deals to be had at wearerpg.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-P-G.com. And coming soon, redwizardgames.com, your one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. Are you ready? Are you really ready? Can you dig it? Because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens, and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air day and night. Can be happening, man. Can be happening. What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode 15 of Man is Screwed. I am Tangent. With me, as always, is the Beamy. Good evening, everybody. And tonight, special guest hosts, once again, back from the dead. We've got uh, Nancy, Sally, Jesse Raphael, yeah, whatever. Jesse Raphael. And we also have uh, Sandwich. What's up? What's up, Sandwich? Sandwich? Yeah, it's good to hear your voice again, man. Yeah. So we are here once again to astound and amaze you with news and information from around the Magic Universe, or just generally BS as always. So kick back, relax, grab a beer, because I know I am, and enjoy the show. So, yeah, here we are. We've we've got uh, Sandwich and uh, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. And so, so Grave Titan is really 50 bucks, huh? No, not Grave Titan, man. Prime, prime oh, Evil, man. The prime, prime Evil. Prime Evil Titan. Oh, shit. 50 plus, yeah. But yeah, so they, these guys just got back from the uh, from a couple of events, and we brought them on. They wanted to be able to rap a little bit about about how they did in their draft this last at the was it the Spokon or Spokane Con? Yeah, yep. Spo Spokon. Spokon, the the biggest, hugest con of them all, Spokon. Yeah, pretty crazy, man. Yeah, it sounds pretty crazy, especially if you guys top aided. Oh yeah, oh, one well, of three. I mean, it was, it was best like, of eight. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was like maybe fourteen <laughs> people in the draft, so it wasn't it wasn't anything big. Oh, okay, cool. But still, I mean, first and third, it's nice. Do you guys get decent pools? Uh well, I don't know. It seemed seemed like most of the people there didn't play much magic, so what was it? Like I got yeah, I got past you know Whisper Silk Cloak, <clears throat> Two Star Angels, you know, yeah. all the removal in the world, so it wasn't wasn't that much. What? Yeah. So what did you end up running? I ended up running blue, uh, blue white. Oh, well, I was predominantly white, so it's just a bunch of little small flyers, and uh, you know, got two pacifisms, and uh, got sleep. That was, you know, that was pretty nice. But well, yeah, two Sarah Angels getting past those. That's. Oh, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just anyway. like I passed that, and then I got past the thing. I mean, I there was a terramorphic expanse about. I think it's. Seventh or eighth pick, I was just amazed that you know no one was grabbing any cards out of these packs. Right, right. 
And were uh, you starting? Were you seeing money grabs by people? Well, I didn't see any money cards. Uh, There's a bunch of junk rares and stuff, but uh, so, there were a few rares. I mean, I was past a uh, a goblin chieftain on the very last pick of the first pack. I was like, I opened the goblin chieftain, and I got it back. It was and it was just like, well, okay, no one wanted it, not even on the second to last pick. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Which is nice. I got I got a little sandwich there is uh fourth one, so now I can get his goblin deck going. Damn right. Sandwich got some sandwich action. That's right. Alright, so between a couple goblins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you dig those goblins. Yeah, I was running like goblins and Oh yeah. In the in the turn I was running knights and goblins and uh there's some actually decent white flyers, so I was coming out with uh Flying and flinging creatures, you know, for control. Right, right. And uh, running that uh, do four damage to target creature and two damage to target creature's controller. Yeah, Chandra's outrage. Yeah, so I had exactly Chandra's outrage. So, uh, you know, mostly like a red control with uh, some hasty, the 3 2 goblins. Right. And, uh, you know, pretty much the, the knight that gives all knights plus one, plus one, and indestructible. Uh, did you actually have enough knights to make that beneficial, or were you more just running him just because he's he seems like he'd be cool? Uh, it was a boost, booster draft, so 30 cards, so I actually had, uh, I think I had uh, two ground knights and a flying knight, and I just saw a flying knight and at least one of the other knights every time. Okay, So it was That's pretty cool. much uh, an, just a super blocker because they're all first strike and shit. Right. You know, so you got two, three flyer for a strike. What do you do about that? Uh, you know, the dude that you could uh, tap and give target creature haste if his power was two or more. So there are ways for him to give dudes, uh, you know, make them unblockable, you know, and do a little control to, you know, open them up. And then, you know, when it really came to push to shove, the, the haste, man. The haste won, like, three matches. Oh, that's like, pretty sweet. Everything was kind of even, Steven. You know, it's like five to two, and then, you know, I play the final card. Just haste, they just can't stop that three damage. So what, What I mean, did, did you think that you actually ever had an opportunity to use his ability, though? Or was it just kind of irrelevant? You know, the indestructibility. Well, I use it all, the indestructible. Well, the thing is, is that uh, you use it in a couple ways, is that, you know, I mean, it is a draft, but uh, people just didn't have really enough control to deal with him and all my other threats. So it did actually stick. So, right, it pulled up the Doom Blade so that I could end up, I mean, it sounds stupid, but Platinum Angel. Uh, you know, just junk like that. You had Platinum enough, Angel? There was enough threats, and you had a Platinum Angel. Oh, okay. Well, no, it doesn't sound stupid, man. And in, in Limited, Platinum Angel's oh. pretty solid. Yeah, it definitely it it won one particular match where well actually no it didn't, it didn't win. I, I came up against Bane Slayer, and the platinum made it so that uh, I had enough control to where you know I was able to survive. Killed the Bane Slayer once, and she popped that green uh, target creature out of your graveyard. Yeah, well, nature spiral. So here's this fucking Bane Slayer again, and it's like you know 65 life, and finally it just you know did tag the, the platinum and it was lights out for me. Yeah, yeah. That cool. was the only game I lost was against the, the Bane Slayer, and the Bane Slayer was constant on the table. Well, that's cool, man. Congratulations, you guys. That sounds like a pretty uh, pretty good time. Did you guys did yeah. get, didn't get into the Constructed then? Ah, uh, no. Uh, I played some Constructed. I played, well, Extended Constructed. We didn't do the Constructed tournament, though, no. Oh, okay. Cool. I haven't, yeah, yeah, I don't have a standard deck right now. Awesome. Sounds good. Way to go, Sandwich. And Jesse Raphael. 
Uh, so, Beamy, what's what's uh, on the agenda here? What do we got rocking? Well, we're going to go through uh, today's uh, Fade to Black segment, which would be the Mono Black Control list we discussed last week. We actually have a physical list to discuss this week. Also, I'd like to probably go through some emails we got, some viewer comments. Would never be a bad way to go on the show, too. So, you guys lead the route, and I'll be more than glad to guide you on the way. All right. Well, let's look over the uh, the list, Ed's list here. Uh, fade to black. Uh, he is, well, in, in honor of his own name, I guess, we've got the black, mono black control list. And uh, it's it's pretty cool. Um, let's go ahead and go through this here. We've got 20 swamps, 4 tectonic edges, uh, 4 Nantuko shades, 4 Bloodgast, 3 Gatekeeper of Malakir, 2 Grave Titan, 4 Duress, 4 Sign and Blood, 4 Consuming Vapors, 3 Mind Sludge, 2 Corrupt, 3 Stabbing Pain, 3 Doomblade, and then a board of three Black Knight, three Underworld Dreams, two Sadistic Sacrament, two Liliana Vest, three Leyline of the Void, and two Malakir Blood Witch. So basically, you, you know, you got your turn one duress again. Um, and also, you know, for one, you've got Stabbing Pain. Then you've got the uh, turn two's Nantuko Shade, Blood Ghast. Um, and Doom Blades and Sign and Blood, really, if you need to. What was that? Gatekeeper and Malakars also too. Gatekeeper, right? And I mean, ideally, you're going to want to play him kicked, but you're correct. Yeah, if you, especially if you're playing against a a non-creature deck, then you would, would go ahead and run out Gatekeeper for two also. And then, uh, yeah, I, it, you pretty much are controlling the board with Consuming Vapors, Mind Sludge. Corrupt if you need it, so you can get your grave tightened out and uh, stomp some faces. It sounds like a pretty pretty good plan to me. Um, the Liliana vest and the sideboard's interesting. Kind of some tutor action and discard if you need it. But it looks yeah, he uses it, he uses it he uses it excessively um, versus uh, Valakut ramp. He also has it in versus. Uh, Versus Bant uh-huh. and any variety of Bant. Okay, so he's played this, or this is just his ideas for it? No, he plays it. A lot of times what happens is if there is a last spot needed to be filled, he will judge and play. Oh, okay, sweet. And do you know how he's done with it so far? He tends to always get to the top four, and then what he'll do is he'll play to win, but... I think in many ways it doesn't hurt him not to win because, you know, they're giving up product. Right. So, you know, it would be better if someone else won, but he likes to play to win. So, yeah, like he said before, there was a description of how it did and what was in the uh, run from the Saturday Night Magic. Yeah, exactly. That looks looks good, man. Um, what? Uh, let's see. So Jesse Raphael, uh, you've played the vampire deck. How do you th- how do you think that uh, this compares to that? Oh, I'm still reading through all these M11 cards here. Through the M11, uh, well, Nantuko Shade is pretty classic. A lot shade. more control, right? You know, not nearly as many creatures, but there's tons of removal. Yeah, exactly. 
I think that's part of the, part of what's cool about it. I, I still, you know, I still would love to ask him or find out how he feels about the stabbing pain actually running it in there. Yeah, but, that was that was actually the first thing I thought of. Is that just seemed a little bit weak compared to a lot of the other cards in this deck. But I don't know what else you'd put in there. Well, I mean, it could just it could be a, uh, a disfigure. But the question, I guess, would be, you know, to 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 him is. How often does he find himself using that to stop some larger creature? You know, to like buy himself that turn, like you were talking about, Bimi. You know, or D- does that happen, or or would it just just be better off being a disfigure? That's I guess I would wonder that. He uses it a lot of times both ways. A lot of times when he wants to go on the offensive, it only costs him one to stop that guy's one block or get it out of the way. And if you're using Nan- Nantuko Shade, he pumps up Nantuko Shade. Now the blocker's out of the way, and now he hits for five, six, or seven with it. So he uses it. He uses it as a way to stop his opponent from attacking. He also uses it as a way to kind of pseudo clear the path for him to go through. Right. I got to tell you though, his tech idea for the Underworld Dreams. I mean, it's not that I hadn't thought about the card before, but he's right that now. That card is definitely playable out of the sideboard. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I brought Nantuko. Uh, what was that? What well, what card? Oh, the Underworld Dreams. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the uh, three black, and you, whenever uh, so your opponent draws a card, they take a damage. And see, when you have like cards like Jace the Mind Sculptor out right now, where where everyone's brainstorming, they're drawing three cards. It's like. It's really pretty serious. I mean, even even if let's put it this way, you put it into into even into vampires, and you sideboard that in against the against certain decks, and that clock that you put them on is just too much. I mean, even if it's just control, control is control is usually a drawn out game, and and you have you have a hard time playing all your spells against control because they're countering everything or whatever, but. But if all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're losing a life every turn, regardless of what you do, at least one, and then they yeah, tr- they one. you know they try try running Jace or something else, and they start drawing more. I, I sideboarded in against Control. I sideboarded in against a mill deck that tried to mill me, and he just he just flat out lost because of it. It's a great card. So that props to him on on that. It's he was right. Underworld Dreams definitely has a place in this game right now. We've seen it run also in decks that use the Howling Mine and the Temple Bell combination to constantly nail them. They're drawing, instead of one card around, they'll draw three cards around. And it's it's a very unique deck, but it, it made... I forgot where it was. It was someone last of the, last of the rounds of the qualifiers someone made top 32 with it and it was just like really and yeah it was like four howling mines four temple bells uh, four of four of the that it was black control with that as its as its finisher and great titan that's crazy have you you guys seen the uh the temple bells huh (laughs) temple bells and (laughs) So they draw a card all the time. Yeah. That make that force them to play spells or something? Well, they're just oh, trying, to, I'm trying to they, keep, keep their control up, cards. right? Oh, control. You have to remember, when you combine that, you can... The Howling Mine is a disadvantage for you right away when you play it, but the Temple Bell, what you do is you wait for them to go through, 
finish all their actions and before the end of their turn you play the temple bell force them to draw a card when they're out of mana they lose the life it's the beginning of your turn you have that extra card you just drew plus the card you draw from the other one it's it's a great advantage to do it's a lot better than howling mine but to use this strategy to be able to use both cards is quite quite impressive oh yeah so i mean what what are you playing other than underworld dreams i mean so you're just paying them for like you know two three four damage a turn but i mean it takes a while to get there no yeah it does well not it's turn three. think about it three turn they're drawing three cards right Mm-hmm. They're trying to. Most of those decks are trying to mill you out. So in other words, they're trying to get you to to lose your, you know, all the cards in your deck, right? Mm-hmm. Not not all of them, but there are some mm-hmm. that are that are trying to do that still, which isn't a very bright idea in my opinion, especially with the amount of like Eldrazi that are running around and things like that. But still, there are still people that run it, and it still does well sometimes, especially when it's not seen coming. Well. You put that in against a mill deck, and they're going to keep drawing cards, three, four, five cards. Some people still are running Font of Mythos, and when that happens, you know they'll they'll be dead in four or five turns. True, true. It, that you, you you that's only if you get one down. If God forbid you get another one down, and then it's just done. So, so blue black or blue black. This, well, you mean this this deck here, the mono black? In particular, yeah. I mean, is it? This one's mono black right here, the one we're looking at. Oh, but really? the, the decks he's talking about, it just depends. I mean, when you're talking about, like, is this a mill deck that you were talking about, Beamy? Or is this just, like, a control deck? It's a control deck, but the one I saw the one I saw that made it, because I was looking for unusual deck techs, and I saw that one, it was running red-black, and it was using uh, the old book burning. It wasn't book burning, oh, but burning it's the inquiry? new one. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. draw three, discard three, and you're getting, you know, I, it cost me one mana, I and to force him to draw three more cards, take three more life, yep. it can get real annoying. It, it's a really annoying deck, and what I saw was run with it was a lot of aggressive stuff out there to hit, and then they combined it with the uh, Kiln Fiend, the Flying Kiln Fiend. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a sorcery. So you book burn him or whatever it is for three that pumps him up makes him a four three it can be effective in that when unexpected formats it can be effective is it is it something that'll ever top anything major no but it it can really annoy someone on a friday night or someone that plays mtgo on a (laughs) any day yeah well i mean that kind of reminds me of the dueling mcgrims thing it seems like it would be would be like a you know just a it would take down a f- an F and M somewhere or something, but then you see it hitting what was a nationals list, and it's like, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. You know, you got uh, y- you guys uh, are familiar with what McGrim is, correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So so then you get McGrim. Now you have Liliana's Caress, which is the same exact thing, but it costs two instead of three. You got you got that going on, so you got two different McGrims, so eight McGrims total. Then they run things like Burning Inquiry and different discard spells, like, like, uh, you know, I know this is stupid, but what's the uh, the 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 staple card? Uh, three damage, discard two, brain oh. malfunction, blighting, blighting, right? So, yeah, so I mean, you've got all these discard spells. And you know it's it's just hitting you for so much damage so quick. Now when it was just McGrim out there, that wasn't viable. But now that now that Liliana's caress is out, 
using like using per- like black red lance or something to pull that, that burning inquiry or something. Yeah, exactly. You, you use black red lance because also there's a black red uh, man land that when when you're not doing that, when you're not you know like say you get controlled out of a few of your spells, well then you just tap your 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 mana to activate your man land and then you attack with him. So so there's there's multiple different win conditions, not just the uh, the the actual the damage. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, well, let's see. So okay, we've talked about the mono blacklist, which I think is very solid. And like I said, I do want to give it a run. Um. Other than that, did you want to? Did you? Are you? Is this time when you want to move on, Beamy, to some uh, emails or something? Yeah, well, one quick thing, uh, real quick. Uh, we talked about it last week, and I don't know if you guys watched a lot of GGS Live. Have you guys watched any of that? The coverage from the Magic coverage from all over the world. Uh, these yeah. scrubs have been kind of, you know, on the uh, DL for a while. They're just kind of coming <laughs> back into it. They're, you know, they're they're borderline losers, but I'm not really gonna, you know, that's just my opinion. Right. Okay, so they're so they're not fully sucked in like I am. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. They're 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 more like the the clo- They're still in the closet. Right. So. Yeah. You know, they spend a lot of time in there together. That's just. Oh, that's yeah. their thing. They only call me sandwich man. I'm not. Really <laughs> 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 All right. No. So yeah, go ahead, man. DGS Live is a website that allows you to watch major magic tournaments they just did last week they did legacy in columbus ohio and this week they're at the best four games of gaming uh, gen con and i'm not a real big legacy person but i got sucked in this weekend because we had talked about it last week and i really wanted to give it more than just the one match thing i wanted to give it time so i watched part of Saturday, almost all of Sunday, and it was great. They had, because Conley Woods scrubbed out early. Uh, got Boo! Yeah, so he was on for most of the second half of Saturday and almost all of Sunday, and then Brian Keebler also didn't make it. He missed it in the last round to make it to the second day legacy, and he was there for the basically the entire show on Sunday. And it's real interesting to hear pro-level Magic players discuss what's happening and be blatantly honest. Like, what they're playing, how they're playing. There were many times you were watching this match and the guy is, like, down 17-4 to four, and he's going, he's got control of this game. He's clearly got control of this game and I'm looking at this board going, how is a guy losing 17-4 to four <laughs> with guys all over the board going to do this? And sure, shoot, two turns later, boom, 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 things change, the board swapped over, and the guy wins, the guy sweeps up. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow. Did he play that, that, that uh, you know, three blue mana, turn the table 180 degrees? <laughs> I mean... Might have been. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty insane. Yeah. You know, the question I would have been asking myself is, Conley, how can you do this to me? You're supposed to win these things. I thought he would have broken, you know, legacy by now, but, you know. uh. He had clearly discussed that he thought his deck was quite possibly the best deck there, and that 
he was basically saying that people got really ridiculous hits on him <laughs> in game three. And it was always game three where he was getting the job. So yeah. it was kind of interesting. The one thing I got I to gotta ask about, and all of you, is the gentleman that won was what a shock. Tomohiro Saito won again. Okay. That is, he wins everything now. Right. He's won so much, he's on the Hall of Fame ballot this year. Okay. <laughs> that would be he No, no, he's he's been around oh. for a long. He just wins all the time, man. He's uh. he's a big he's a big player. So he plays slow. I mean, he's got every match he was on the show. He got warned for slow play, and. As a as a player, that would drive me nuts. I mean, there are times when he sits there and the guy plays a card, and he'll look at his cards, shuffle them, he'll look at his cards. You could well, you can't tell he's looking at him because he only show the view over it, but you can see his hand opening back and forth, and he's shuffling his hand, and it's like, okay, is he going to play something? Is he going to sit there and wait for the clock to run out? It was driving me nuts as a viewer going, just play something. So your question then is, do we But he's winning, though. Yes, he's winning. But he's winning. But he's winning. Right. How does slow slow play... Does slow play bother you as a player? Well, you know, these two are experts in slow play and being really annoying to be able to win the game. So, you know... (laughs) No, I'm just I kidding. Mean, if you, if you I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait longer on you if I can, man. And try. <laughs> no, yeah, I guess you just need to sit there and think about the situation that you're in. And I mean, when yeah. you're playing at that level, it's like I don't know if you ever watch poker on TV. It's the same thing, you know. They got a hundred thousand dollars in the pot. The guy's gonna sit there and think about it for a minute, you know, because he's got to think about what's the best thing to do. Well, I think I think some of it is a little bit of a head game, though. Too, I think that he is intentionally doing that, knowing that the person that he's playing against is a little bit on edge too he's got he's got his adrenaline going and the last thing you want to do when you've got your adrenaline going is to just sit there and wait it's it's horrible it's nerve-wracking and he wouldn't be getting warnings if he wasn't walking the fine line and he knows that he he's doing it intentionally because he knows that he is actually giving himself somewhat of an advantage in doing that it's I'm going to start playing slower <laughs> Yeah, I exactly. I always thought you kind of did, though, but I thought that was more of a mental thing than the actual, you know, strategy. No, I am. I'm just kidding, dude. No, no. Uh, yeah. I well, still think I'm moving a little too fast. Maybe I need to slow down a little bit. Yeah, slow down a little bit. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's I think it's fine strategy. I just think I agree with you. It can be frustrating. It can be really frustrating to play against and very frustrating to watch. Oh, I, it's and and the commentaries even they're not directing it like saying it, but it's like you can subtly hear them thinking. Okay, is he holding this card? Is he holding that card? Then it becomes it's almost like when there's a timeout and the the television still is on and the guys are saying, well, they're going to try this, this, or this, or this, and that's what they ended up doing. Right. It's like, does he- this card? Does he have that card? Is he thinking about this? It's like, oh, come on, guys. Really? Uh, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a strategy. I'm sure it's a strategy. Yeah, without a doubt. 
Yeah. I mean, he, he he probably knows the people he's playing against, and they know him, and maybe it's just like his whole shtick now. Yeah. It's like, I'm such a badass, and I'm sitting here, and I'm doing that same stupid shit you saw me doing last year. Yeah, exactly. Especially if he's walking the line where he's getting the warning, but he's not actually getting himself losses for it. Then then clearly he knows what he's doing. He's he's allowing himself to get to that point right on the edge, and then he's pulling back just enough, you know, so... I'm, I was quite imp- I was quite impressed. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's still willing to alpha strike if he recognizes the opportunity is like upon him. You know, I mean, if he's playing control, you know, you want to be able to do whatever you need to do, you know, to a certain point. But you're not actually dragging your ass. You can't win win all your games by just playing like a retard. You know, <laughs> yeah, There's a time and a place for everything. I'm sure he's completely aware of what's going on. Right, right. He's just being a douchebag, like you're saying. Well, yeah, and I mean, you know, speaking of douchebag <laughs> plays, how about what do you guys think about Esper Charm? No, I'm just kidding. Let's not even go there. Let's not. Is there, is there a story about this I'm missing? <laughs> yeah, I was say. It's an yeah. inside joke with himself. No, no, man. He, Beamy, you know what this is, right? What I'm talking about. The Esper oh, Charm yeah, incident. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. So oh, I was two like, cars. Just, just, yeah, it's uh, Esper well, Charm. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it, it has. There is a story, that's, but it's been like, it's a couple weeks old now, and it's like, it's just one of that you hear it on every show. About this Esper Charm incident that these these pros have, where like one of the guys was like, "I'm gonna Esper Charm targeting me," and the guy's like, "Targeting you," and he's like, "Yes, targeting me," and he's like, "So you're gonna Esper Charm targeting you?" And he's like, "Yes, I'm Esper Charming targeting me," and he's like, "Judge, come over here." It's like, "Go ahead and tell him what you just told me. I'm going to Esper Charm targeting me." The judge is like, "Okay." And so, he's like, so you're targeting yourself? He's like, yes. He's like, okay. So the guy goes to reach to draw two cards, and he's like, no, you need like, to discard. Uh, you got you to destroy a enchantment. You got to discard, uh, two, discard two, two cards. Two cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where the douchebag thing came, because it's like his intent was to draw two cards, but because of the fact that he didn't, you know, and it's just, it's a big controversy that's been going on for a while, and it's just one of those things. It's like... Was it a douchebag play to call the judge over for something like that, or you know, could he have, could, could he have said like, is that one of the situations where you're like, no, you need to know the cards better, or he did really know the card, he just didn't pay attention to the exact wording of it. So is it really more I, of a douchebag? I think I think he couldn't draw two cards. I, I think by when he said, "Oh, I'm targeting myself," it's not like, "Oh, well, then you have to destroy a champion because you said target." It's all like, it's "I'm playing a spell. It's an instant." I'm playing a spell. It's an instant, you know. Right. So it's an instant. So, oh, well, you said target. It's like, well, yeah, but, you know, I'm going to destroy an enchantment. You know, it is an instant. It's not like, yeah, it's not like, you know, when I, when it came into play, when I played it, I said I'm targeting. It's like it's an instant. Yeah, but once he targeted himself, he couldn't destroy an enchantment anyway. He would have had to have discarded two cards because it's target enchantment or target player discards two cards, right? Right. So, so, so but he said he's targeting himself, so he'd, I guess he'd have to discard two cards because he targeted himself. Yeah, exactly. So he's the player, so he had to discard two cards. Yeah, but 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 really, what the ruling is is that if there's there there are things um, where you can sidestep certain aspects of the game. They're shortcuts, and they're just understood, and they're a part of the game. The problem is, is that when, you know, and I have left messages on on other people's, you know, podcasts and things because they didn't quite, like a lot of people think that intent is still a part of the game, and it's not. Um, so you don't you don't judge by intent anymore. But if there's a rules clarification when it comes to that needs to be needs to be made when it comes to things like. Uh, 
like like this in the situation where you know it's clear did that he, did, it's did he discard two cards? He did end up being forced to do that by the judge, but almost every judge since then has said that that judge was incorrect. And the reason <laughs> the reason being is because, like I said, there's no longer ruling by intent, but when there's a confusion involving a shortcut, then you you are you're supposed to have them go back and and start the thing from the beginning, clarifying each thing each aspect of the spell so so like you would, you would actually have to go and select which mode you wanted to use of the spell and and describe what it was if there was any confusion at all the judge was you know was basically incorrect in saying that and most people say that the guy who pointed it out should have gotten a warning because he was intentionally trying to like lead the guy into that knowing that he didn't mean that at all like but, knocking somebody's elf cart and somebody else's cart off table table type stuff. I'm like, oh, judge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Drop kick. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you want to speak about douchebaggery? I don't know if you heard about that also this weekend, guys. The Brad Nelson made the top eight because a gentleman that was eighth uh, at the end of his match. Oh God, this is the worst. Yeah, go he's, ahead. He tells the guy in front that he's playing with, "Ha ha ha! I just bet I I just bet on myself at fifty to one to make the top eight, and I made it. So what did said I'm not going to make it regardless of if I beat this guy or not to the top eight. What did he do? He called the judge over, and he got the guy completely disqualified. Yep, that's now. That's a pretty. That's one of the worst things I've heard, really. Because did he actually have the fifty to one odds on himself? No, because no. who? Cause yeah, I mean, who the hell would pay him? <laughs> First of all, who's running? This is Columbus, Ohio. I lived in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, trust me. The only there is the only gambling's done is on Ohio State football. Yeah. period. he would have had and to have had offshore better. betting, which there is. You know, at at certain times there has been known to be offshore betting, even involving magic games, but probably not games in Columbus, Ohio. And just in general, I mean, that's usually like pro tour stuff. As far as I know, I haven't really looked into it because I don't do a lot of offshore magic betting. But uh, I just mostly do the offshore magic pimping. You know, but but the thing is, so what what we've got here is is a situation where a guy was going to lose. And he did lose, and he had no chance of winning. And he still, and he sold out a guy simply that, that he didn't deserve to win. He lost. He had lost, and he just basically shoved it to this guy just because he took any out he could to win. Uh, he knew the rules about that, and he screwed him over because of it. I guess the other guy should have known the rules too, and just kept his mouth shut. Well, I, I'm sure he did. He probably are, thought it was a joke. It, you know. When you're starting to play at a certain level, you you're you shouldn't understand the rules, especially like the Esper Charm things. Like that guy, he just should have known the rules. I mean, all you gotta do is read the card. He should have sat there and chose one. Oh, I I totally that. agree with that. Like he should have yeah, said yeah, nothing. Yeah. But I draw two cards. That's the only thing he should have said. <laughs> he didn't have to say I target myself and draw two cards. I mean, all he had to do is say I draw two cards, and it would have been fine. Right. Well, that's and, that's the reason why. Like to me, like on it from a. a the standpoint of a person who wants to become a professional, I'm trying to get better 
at abiding by the rules, and therefore things like this wouldn't come up. When you're playing in a professional game, like at a high-level tournament like he is playing, you should be playing by the rules. And if you make a mistake like that, well, what di- what separates what separates the weakest players from the best players? Well, for one thing, it's not just skill, but it's also the understanding of the rules and the experience that comes with that. If you lose because of your inexperience, then you lose because of your inexperience. I mean, that guy failed to do a part of his, you know, what his job was at the time, which is, you know... To understand the situation at hand and... RTFC, man, RTFC, read the fucking card. That's all there is to it. Oh, no doubt. He wrote wrote an article, the guy wrote an article explaining that he knew he made a mistake and that he knew he was in the wrong for it, but... It like you said, there's kind of an understanding of really was this really necessary to call a judge and bring this out? I mean, there's many ways to argue around this, but personally, I I, I don't know. It's you know, it's like the and the guy's sitting there going like really because like who in their right mind would think like you said? Okay, offshore magic betting. For GP Columbus? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I agree with that, man. I'm not trying to say that there's literally offshore magic betting. Maybe, maybe he was. Maybe he did a side bet. And here's another thing about magic players, and this is no big secret. Okay, they bet on everything, man. They bet on everything. Like if you go to a magic event, I'm sure you could. Like if you were, you know, good friends with with Paul Chion. I'm sure Flores and uh, and Chion and and. Chapin and everyone has placed bets on one thing or another, and maybe it doesn't necessarily have to do with the outcome of their game. But it, you know, it could be like, hey, I bet that guy right there is going to uh, be the stinkiest person at this event, right? I mean, it could be, it could be any freaking thing. They just like betting. They like, they like betting. It's it's part of what you know. Th- these people, a lot of these people are gamblers. They're poker players. You know, they're poker players or magic players. You're gambling when you're going and playing magic in, to begin with. So so there's a lot of gambling that does go on. But where are you going to get the 50-to-1 bet? Clearly it's not some, like, legal betting going on here. If you have it, it's probably under the table with a friend of yours or something. And it's like, I'll give you a dollar and you can give me 50. And that's about it. I mean, there's I I wouldn't say it was probably the most serious thing in the whole world that this guy was saying that. You would have loved it that on the GGS Live commentary. Uh, again, going back to Conley again because we pimp out the pros here on the show, especially Conley. Okay, I'm man. sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, uh, he said <laughs> he made a bet at dinner. That they could, he could eat some ridiculous amount of food, and it was for ten bucks. It wasn't even for like, like fifty bucks or a hundred bucks or something like that. It was like you have to eat this ridiculous amount of food, and it's for ten bucks. And of course, like hot dogs. yeah, exactly. Like, That's like what I'm saying, 60 though. Hot dogs, like you got to eat sixty hot dogs. You saw, like, <laughs> but they'll do it. Bucks. That's the point, man. They could have just won three thousand dollars, and they'll make a ten dollar bet. It's he's a, all like, it's he's like, I'll give you a dollar if you drink if you drink that <laughs> little cup of soap right there. And he's all like, all the cups of soap. <laughs> the worst thing about it was, it was at like a Buku Italian restaurant where the food is like extra thick and extra rich. Oh, so they did that to him. 
Oh, well, they should have. They should have said, "Hey, Conley, I will give I dare you, you to drink a gallon of milk. I will give you fifty bucks. I, I, I will give you all fifty dollars if any one of you can stand up and drink an entire gallon of milk from start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> any one of you? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, more likely with with Conley, they'd probably say, "Hey, man, I I will give you fifty dollars to eat that whole tub of spaghetti and use yeah. your baby powder as Parmesan cheese." That's How many times am I allowed to barf while I drink this gallon of milk? Zero. <laughs> oh. And follow it up with a you have si- to drink it with a, a drink syrup bottle chaser. All right. <laughs> That's jacked up. Just give me about three days and I'll do it. <laughs> Standing up, you have to stand up with a gallon of milk, and you have to drink the whole thing. You cannot leave your lips until it's all gone. Whatever, man. You. <laughs> Yeah, I, I dare you guys. I, I'll be there to watch that one. We can we can hook that yeah, up man. for sure. I'll put fifty more on it. Shit. We'll do that at we'll do that at Grand Prix Portland. We'll do that like in front of everyone. Oh wait a minute! This is starting to turn into oh I forget which podcast this is. What would I do for a thousand bucks? <laughs> oh yeah, man, for sure, dude. What is that? That's, we'll, that's we'll, Raiders. We'll drink milk for money. Well, you'll drink milk for money, like real milk. Is this two percent or is this like fat-free thing. milk? At, at the at the at the competition, just put on like most cardboard things, like the poor guys do, right? In like the twenties, <laughs> we'll drink milk for money. Is this like half and half, or just like you know two percent, or what? Well, let's see, if, you know, really fat, fat free. Okay, yeah. So, did free. you see the, uh, the? Did you see Chewy's comment there, Beamy? That he uh, just no. left us on Twitter. No. <laughs> He just started started following us, or at least following me. I don't know if he was already following you or not, but he said, I heard that dig about our lengthy, lengthy shows at the end of episode 13, by the way, and did the little <laughs> sticking out the tongue face. So, Yeah. All right, Chewy. Nice. That's that's just because, Chewy, we're trying to be as long as you, and if we were as funny as you guys were, you know, we'd be able to go two hours. <laughs> Yeah, and if we had as much non-magic content to talk about too, we're working on it though. We'll be Work up there. It. Yeah, so we're talking well, about milk all good. over our bodies and stuff like that right now. So, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And sandwich. And <laughs> sandwich. In the closet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mario's sneaking up on you in the showers. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sure Sandwich, you know, he probably looks just fine in the closet. I'm sure the female viewers would be just fine with that. It's the male viewers that'd be running in fear. (laughs) Who wears a fur coat with the head still attached? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's uh, let's look over some of these. You want to get into these these uh, emails that we got here? Absolutely. All right, Um, we got. Well, for one thing, um, who who was it that uh, it was Sam? Right, Sam sent us yes. the Sam sent us the information with the deck list, and we gave him a couple little pieces of advice. And let's see here. He said, "Oh wow, it would be really nice if I could find it. You have it handy there." No, I don't actually. I apologize for that. Oh no, it's okay. I'm sure I'll find it here. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, he said, Hello, Tangent. I got to listen to the podcast with three of my friends on Thursday at my kitchen table. We sometimes listen and play. 
So I took your advice on the man and just went ahead and switched up my deck a little. So here's the new list. And he gave the list. Uh, you think I should read that, or you want me to? I'll just skip over it for right now. I, I'll let yeah. him, I'll let him keep his his teched out list. So he said, as for my F and M, I went four and zero. In my first match, I was playing against vampires and lost my first round, so I sided out all four Doom Blades for both Whiplash Traps and both Needle Bite Traps and won the next two rounds. My second game was against White Green Leveler, which I only sided out Doom Blades for Death Marks on the second round, and I won all three. All three. That would be difficult. So he must have ended up winning two out of the three anyway. Um, my third match was played against Nyish Deck, it was right colors, wrong cards, and uh, but he won that. My last match was against my friend Scott, and I won the first match due to the fact I mind controlled his Grave Titan, and then he won the second round with his Grave Titan. In the third round, it was close. I was at five, and he was at seven, and I just countered his second Grave Titan, and had the board down with one Sphinx of Jawar Isle on my side and nothing on his. Attacked, then passed the turn. He top deck Vampire Nighthawk. Plays it, passes, I have nothing in hand. I top deck unsummoned for the win. It was awesome. He got eight packs, open two Fauna Shaman, Frost Titan, Foil Mana Leak, so it was good. Thanks for the tips, they helped a lot, and keep up the good work. Thanks again, Sam. And I say thank you again, Sam. We appreciate you getting hold of us, and we're really glad that we could help you out. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is to me what it's all about. You know, if we get w- one person to check them out enough just a little advice you know they don't have to do what we say we're just trying to like guide them in a direction whether they choose to do it or not and the opportunity for them to sit there and go hey i listened we tried it out it worked and at top eight it won there's nothing for doing this podcast there's very little more gratification you get than that Right, exactly. And that's the thing. You know, we'll talk about, you know, some comments. I really don't want to get into the comments because I don't feel like when just outright negative comments with very little construction involved in the comment is left that we should really go into it. But I will say a couple things regarding it later. The main thing is, is we do this podcast, you know, hopefully to get something for ourselves in the sense of just accomplishing the podcast and getting our information out there and being able to talk with people and having some fun and being able to hopefully help some people. But we're doing it for for the enjoyment of it and just to try and help out the magic community. There's nothing in this for us when it comes right down to it. So, you know, the, the main thing we like to do is to be able to help people out. And so when someone sends us information or a question or whatever, we we utilize that. And we, we can help, we can try and give our advice, and, you know, we talk about it on the show. If nothing else, we can throw it out there for other people, and if other people have ideas, then they can give us their ideas. Never been able, never had any fear of run away from any question except for from my wife. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> and, yeah, so... Uh, we we did have another guy, Elijah, who sent an email. He said, uh, and this and this really sums it all up. Also, for j- just the fact that you know, new people coming into the game and the resources out there, and now they're using this podcast as a resource, and I appreciate that. Um, it says, "My name is Elijah Morris from Logan Sport, Indiana." 
Logan's port. Um, I'm still pretty new to Magic. I've only played casually for about six months now. I've only listened to a few of your podcasts, but I think they're very helpful. I bought the Deck Builder Toolkit and the M11 Pack, and I am deck building like crazy. I would love to show you some decks I've tossed together with my limited knowledge and card pool, and would love it if you guys could give me some feedback via podcast or email. Please get back to me whenever you have time, which we did get back to him, and we said we'd be glad to take a look at you know what he sent us. Now, again, he is running the Deck Builder Toolkit, which I would like to recommend for anyone who's starting out doesn't have a lot of cards. It's it's got a lot of good cards in there. It's got four booster packs. I think I think what's actually in it as far as boosters depends on when you bought it. Um, I had bought in one a, a couple of them uh, for myself, my girlfriend, and her son, and that way we could all just build some decks for the fun of it. And they came with uh, like I don't know a hundred and some lands, uh, another hundred and some odd just commons and uncommons and then four booster packs so it's plenty to be able to start deck building with and and so i think it's cool that he got that and then he got the fat pack for the other eight boosters so he's got a pretty good card pool to be able to start building from um he he did send his he made a white list white deck list and um He's running, you know, there's there's so much to talk about on here. Um, I think it would probably be better to actually, you know, just look it over and, and email him in response things that we think we he could uh, change on it because there's a, there's a lot of one-ofs and two-ofs since he's just building. But, uh, you know, is there anything that you wanted to say to him regarding what you can see of his... Of his did, did I send this to you, Beamy? Nope. Nope, okay. Well, he's got a lot of a lot of cards on here, and and we'll we'll get back to him via email regarding this, and let you know how that turns out. Um, he he's he's just learning, so I don't you know I don't want to throw this out there and and you know put it out there and have other people messaging in and dogging on the deck list if they don't like certain things or whatever. I mean, this is someone who's new, and you know we're going to try and help him out and see if we can get it to where he's got. A pretty decent deck list going on. You mean you're not, te- you're not recommending him to go out and buy four Gideons for the deck for two hundred dollars? No, you know I I thought about recommending that to him, and I thought you know well if he didn't open them in the boosters, then I mean you know you got you got to be able to rip those things open like a pro. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, so I mean, geez. Um, other than that, let's see. And he said he has, you know, he's got some, uh, he said, he's, I can't wait to hear the podcast tonight. Also, I was hoping to get some more advice. What should I be thinking about when I do a booster draft? How do I know which cards would be smart early choices? I have practiced online before on the MTG side. I'm not really sure what kinds of cards I should be look out for early on. Should I be looking for small CMC spells that would fit into multicolor easily? So converted mana cost, obviously, spells that would fit into multicolor easily. Or should I be on the lookout for win condition, which I could build around a deck around? Um, win condition. Yeah. What, the, was that, what was the acronym? Yeah, the the acronym is BREAD, and it's a pretty standard acronym for, especially when you're beginning. the The acronym BREAD is bombs, removal, <laughs> evasion, uh, 
and then this one seems to be always like something different. It's either advantage or aggressive, depending on you know some of the different ways the acronym could be broken down. And then dudes is often the last one. I think there's a couple other ways to put it, but uh, basically, you know, the most important thing is if you open a bomb, and that could be a Sarah Angel can even be considered to be a bomb. Okay. But but if you open a bomb, then you want to take the bomb first because there's only a limited number of bombs that you're going to see. This is a bomb that can be a win if it's not taken care of. That's really what it boils down to. Now, the Sarah Angel isn't always considered a bomb these days, but it's still one of the better flyers in the game, so it's still a pretty bomby type card. In a draft, it's pretty solid. Yeah, exactly. You got a huge flyer, and he doesn't tap to attack. So, right. Yeah, big creatures go pretty far. Like if you can get a big creature for four or five, like in a draft that has some sort of tactical advantage, be it vigilance, haste, lifelink. I mean, it's just it's a total bomb. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Sandwich. I like all my vigilance, haste, flying, lifelink, first strikers that are big dudes to cost two, man. Two. Cost too, yeah, but in a draft, like no. you know, <laughs> I know, dude. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are correct. Eight and shit, you know, you can get like an eight casting cost, like turd sandwich. Right, right. <laughs> Trust me. Like, like the there. demon at <laughs> demon at death's gate, dude. The demon at death's gate, the guy that I never even got a chance to try and cast when I got him because he's nine. Yeah, um, you know, I got him in a deck. Well, it might be I, all right if you if you could get enough black around him to be able to use him. But I didn't. What's what's your? You mean you built a deck around him? Yeah, it's a mono black deck that that builds around builds around him to hit because I use it as an extended deck and I put bitter blossoms in there. Oh, sweet! That's a good good what idea. An, what an easy way to get the three creatures is. Oh, look! I have three bitter blossoms. Okay, wham, wham, wham! Here he comes out. See, that's a that's a really good idea, and I and I. I'm not saying he's not without his place. I think he's more. I think he could be better used in constructed than in limited, though. In limited, it's really hard to get that either the three black creatures or the nine mana to be able to put him out. So oh, yeah. you know that that was the problem. Is I opened him up in in when I was playing with these guys, uh, I opened him up in a sealed deck that we were playing, and you know I'm opening him up and I'm playing against uh, a Johnny Bane Slayer. Uh, did, what was uh, you had Grave Titan there, didn't you? Uh, Sarah, Sarah Angel, yeah. Whisper Silk Cloak. It was evil. Whisper Silk, man. And you got the Whisper Silk past you, right? No, no, we're talking no, about when we draft. did limited. Yeah, when you, oh, you, you, you know, the Bane Slayer, the, Sarah Angel, John, the, Bane the Whisper Slayer. Silk. Yeah. He had, he had, he had Platinum Angel. Platinum Angel. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, there's certain times when when Demon at Death's Gate is just not a good card. <laughs> He just he just isn't gonna win it for me in that situation, but but like uh, yeah, basically start with bombs, Elijah, and then go to r- removal is the next very important things. And some sometimes depending on what colors you end up being in, you might take a removal over a bomb because maybe maybe you've already selected you know your first pack and you're really heavy, you know into one color, say heavy white. And the next next pack opens up, and you've got a lightning bolt, and you've got some you know green beast, and you just don't really want to play green white. 
you might go with the lightning bolt because it's just it, it fits more you could splash red or if you, red could be your second color it just depends but you definitely don't necessarily want to uh, you don't want to overlook removal removal is very important so that that would be that would be second it's almost first I mean sometimes yeah, it's neck and neck exactly. with first I'd, I'd take removal over like enchantments and shit like there's good enchantments but you don't want to get all heady about like oh you know this enchantment's so good and that one's so good and that one's so good like Creatures, creatures, and and removal. You know, instance, instance. You know, complain time. You want as much. You know, cheap mana. You know, high productivity. More likely to actually resolve. You know, you want stuff that's going to stay in the game and be there for you. Because I mean, if you if you're just playing your cards and blowing your mana, turn after turn after turn, you're going to lose the game. Right. Armored Ascension, for instance, a, an enchantment is that's a pretty a bomby enchantment. enchantment. It's a sweet enchantment, as a matter of fact. But and, and a lot of people say, well, this is basically a bomb because you make your creature a win condition. And all of a sudden, you know, if, if they don't deal with that, then you're going to win. But in the same pack as a Doomblade, you probably would take the Doomblade over Armored Ascension if you're going to be able to splash black or play black because they can put that Armored Ascension on and Doomblade gets rid of that threat immediately. So it really depends. Yeah, Doomblade's a great card. Yeah, it depends on what you're playing. And, you know, so the one thing I would say, Elijah, if you haven't already checked it out, and I'm sure by this time you probably have, you need to listen to Limited Resources Podcast because those Absolutely. guys those guys can tell you everything you need to know. It's, you know, I, we can help you out for sure, and we can give you some pointers for sure, but they have a podcast dedicated to the question that you're asking right now. And I'm not last going to pretend... Last week's episode, they had that debate about... They opened a pack and there was a couple of substitute things and there was a lightning bolt in there and they, you know, it was very hard for them to turn away from the lightning bolt. Yep. So mm. yeah, they're a very good podcast. Those guys are great personalities. They get along really well and their show, for being an hour plus, seems to go by really quick. Yeah, exactly. And if you need, you know, they're they're going to be talking about M11 now. So, you know, at first I was a little worried because it seemed like they weren't going to discuss M11 and because they're they're not super excited about it, but as as a result of some of the listeners' feedback, they are going to get into M11 because they know that the upcoming PTQ season is going to be M11 and a lot of people out there there are differences between M M10 and M11. A lot of people want to hear about it. So, start listening and you'll hear about you know, the drafts that are going on right now. The drafts that are going on right now will be M11. That's what they're going to be talking about, so they will be able to give you lots of pointers about what to look for, about the cards that are really, you know, big right now. So, um, let's see. Uh, well, I think that's pretty much it as far as the uh, email go. You know, we can talk about some of the uh, the comments, if you'd like, now. Please do. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm again. You know, you you may want to talk. I I'm not a big fan of giving people with ultimately hugely negative comments a whole lot of time. But if you want to discuss, you know, your piece, I've kind of said my piece on MTG Cast. Uh, there's some comments that were left on our last show on show 14, and you can go to mtgcast.com and check them out for yourself. I've already responded. Um, you may want to go up there and, and check them out for yourself. 
we did have uh, Curry Bo come on and and kind of defend us a little bit to one of the negative comments that was on there. The comment is so negative that it's it's really kind of wasting my time, in my opinion, to say a whole lot about it, other than the fact that you're talking do... about right now. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, not that. I'm I'm just gonna say that that we like I said before, we do this podcast. You know, it's we just do it, and I am trying to get to the pro level. Not everything I say is going to be right, just like not everything everyone else says is going to be right. I will make mistakes, and I never claim to be the best at, at what I'm saying or what I'm doing. I have my opinions about things. You know, Beamy has his pin- opinions about things. And the fact of the matter is, is you don't have to like this podcast. You can just not listen. We don't necessarily want people that don't like this podcast to listen. And that's one thing that, that uh, Nancy, Sally, Ben... Florence Nightingale and I always <laughs> wow. had to deal with all this stuff, you know, with with people that had all these negative comments to say, but they kept listening. So I'm more than happy that this guy is still listening to the show because all this pent up rage just tells me that, in spite of that, he keeps listening. He keeps supporting us. Light. That's right. He loves us, and it that really makes me happy. You go. You know, there's a fine line between love and hate. So, so that's the main thing, and uh, and I, I know you probably have some comments there, Beamy. So I'll let you, I'll let you go ahead and say, you know, how you felt about this or whatever. I'll try to summarize it real quick. I apologize a, a lot. Like Monday Night Magic, I tend to be the pseudo lead rambler, so I apologize for that at a time. My thoughts are simple: is and like Tangent said before, this is this is an outlet for him to express his theories and thoughts while developing towards being pro-level. I'm not going to be a pro-level. I've already given up my life. I have a wife and three kids and no money, so I can't really do that anymore. <laughs> three kids are, are really expensive, especially when they're all under seven and under. So I can't commit the time and effort Sweat to Sweatshops, man. Yes, I'm trying to get them to take out garbage. So sweatshop, no. <laughs> Um, I do it. I do this basically because I've been a gamer all my life. Like I said, when I first came on, from board games to card games to video games to computer games, I've ran the gamut of everything, and I have a very instinctive, competitive nature towards everything. So, no, am I going to be able to sit there and spound the wisdom that some of the greats do? No. But what I can do is I can take my knowledge that I get through resource, through other people, through other things like that to put my own opinion off of other feedback I get and my own experience with stuff. So no. And yes, do we talk a lot about what Tangent's doing? Absolutely. Because Grand Prix Portland is coming. And this is his time to go there and make a big run at this, where the most of us are going to be sitting at home and watching on GGS Live. And you better get a feature match. Oh, yeah, man. That would be sweet. And, you know, I'm going to be doing other things there. I'm going to be trying to get a hold of other people. I've got these guys there that are going to be going, and, you know, we're going to be... We have a lot of stuff going on, so it's not... 
it's not like you know I'm not going to be giving other information besides just what's going on in in my tournament. I'm going to try and get some interviews, talk to some other other players out there, and you know network a little bit. And it'll be a good time. I'm representing, of course, Milwaukee Magic Cards and Games, and it's just you know it's cool. Uh, we're gonna have have a good time out there, and that's that's the main thing. So now all three of you are playing it. Yeah, right? yeah, it sounds like it. We're yeah, all I'm we're all doing to. the grinders this weekend. Wow, well, I'm now probably see. gonna go ride my motorcycle, man. Sunday. Oh, you're not you're not going now. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know that that right there again is, I mean, you're committing. Now, granted, you're not. You're gonna ride the motorcycle, which is plenty fine. Nothing wrong well, with that. I'm sure he'd like me riding the motorcycle with him. But oh, <laughs> well, then that's gonna make our report awfully small if only <laughs> one of you are going. Um, <laughs> But that's the kind of stuff, I mean, like I said, it, there's a commitment level to make it on the tour, or even to be, play GP stuff. I mean, the you, the schedule, I mean, like they were talking about last week, and again, I'm getting off subject, and I apologize, is that, uh, like, Keebler's schedule was, he went from, he went from Grand Prix Columbus, he went with Chapin, and, um... I'm forgetting who else. He came to Milwaukee for two days, stayed in Milwaukee for two days, and now he's at now he's at Gen Con. He goes from Gen Con to I forget where the next one is. It's like four or five consecutive weeks where he's going to be on the road every week doing a major tournament. That's the and, life right there. Yeah, exactly, oh, man. That'd be sweet. He's actually making money doing that. Oh yeah. Oh, they talked about that a little bit about what level you're at and how much you get for appearance fees and how much is paid for by Wizards and they went through a whole lot of stuff like that because I forget who made someone made level seven this year, which basically it's like plain fare and like a like five hundred dollars an appearance. Oh yeah, when when I uh, went earlier, one of the earlier episodes, I actually went through all that stuff and put. Put uh, Nancy here to sleep, uh, talking about all the uh, pro levels and everything, and what you know, what the different ways to get to the pro tour and all that. So, winning Grand Prix Portland gets you on the way to Amsterdam. Yes, it does. How does that? Uh, how, no, how, no, how's no, that going to no, work no. with work? Amsterdam will actually be over by that time. Oh, well. This will be the the pro tour. Yeah, Amsterdam is is still uh, standard, and then oh, yeah. it will be the. Pro Tour, bleh, and that, it's escaping me right now, but it's the next Pro Tour, so, um, that, that the Grand Prix should be getting you into. Well, it doesn't matter, because you're going to be ending up in Chicago in 2011, winning the 75K from the Star City Games. That's right, so, so like what, what do I need that for anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's gravy training, man, I just want the gravy train, that's all there is to it. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, yeah, did we have anything else to go over other than that? I know we want to throw out again, if you guys want to get a hold of us, manascrewed at gmail.com. Uh, any of your email we'll read on the show, and we'll try and get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Uh, we appreciate the comments from from you know other people on Twitter and everything. It, we've had a lot of good support out there and people that we really respect you know, saying some positive things. And thanks to you know the guys at Mana Deprived too, 
because I know that they're always filling our heads with some uh, good information. Um, this this week's article, or yesterday's article, um, by VT, who finished second up there, uh, to finish his thoughts on how it went, was very, very well written uh, for someone who doesn't who hasn't done it a lot, obviously, right. or at least as far as I understand. And it was very, very well written and very detailed as far as what happened and how his experience was at the Grand Prix Canada. And for anybody who is... Is this Nationals in Canada or Grand Prix? Or Nationals. I'm sorry, Nationals. Yeah. Anyone who wants to experience at least a little insight on what it was like, it's a very good article to read at com. It's on the front of their page. And it's a very well-written article. And he gives tremendous insight on how it went and how things go. And, again, the magic community reach out, reaches out to one another. So We reach out and touch each other. There you go. Right, and some right, touch guys. from the closet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we will be sneaking up on you in your shower sometime soon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we've got... Uh, we got my uh, Magic Online ID, TangentDYN. You can look for me on there. Same ID on Twitter, TangentDYN. Uh, the Beamy here, you're online. Uh, I'm, I'm the Beamy on MG, MTGO and also on Twitter. Right. So, you know, guys, get a hold of us, and uh, and we'd be glad to, to rap with you about Magic. We'll be glad to play some games with you when we have opportunities. You know, um, uh, one of the things that's really awesome going on right now is uh, Sandwich here is is making a pretty sweet thing for for us right now to be able to do some some of our own drafting and be able to export those decks into like Lackey or something. So we'll be doing a lot of drafting amongst ourselves pretty soon here. And uh, you know, not to mention I've got grinders this weekend. And game day the weekend after that, and just a lot of stuff going on over the next few weeks. And uh, you know, Beamy I'm sure is going to be making all sorts of decks online and trying to trying to take over the casual room. Except for the problem is, is those of us who play mind control and counter spells, <laughs> deprives, and yeah, no, those yeah. people, yeah, those yeah, are the people we love not to play. I hate those losers. <laughs> cool. All right, hey guys, uh, thanks for joining us this week here, and uh, it was it was fun, it was definitely uh, entertaining. So, are you still there, or did you guys all pass out? Uh, well, I heard you talking, so I just went to sleep. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, cool. Well, hey guys, uh, you guys are always welcome once again, and uh, I think we're going to be out for this week. As for now, I am Tangent. I'm the Beamy. Burn. Sandwich. And we are out. Later. <laughs>